Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Trevor Morris. We chat about how the set is like an extra actor with its own part to play in a show, his controversial opinion about Disney, and about his true passion, set building. Trevor speaks so highly of his peers, it's hard not to be instantly fond of the guy. Oh, before we start, I should say there is one B-grade swear in here, so shield your children accordingly. I was going to edit it out, but Trevor's reaction to it was too funny. On with the show. Anyway, welcome, Trevor Hi. Morris. Hey, how's it going? To Sarnia Famous. Uh, for the first time and not the second the first, time at all. For the first time, for the very, very first time. No technical difficulties here. None. Um, so, yeah, we were talking a little bit before we had our first little bout of technical issues. I mean, that never happened. You were telling me about Evil Dead and how it was definitely a labor of love. Well, yeah, it, 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 was, it was something that I fought, you know, fought for, uh, fought for years to get on the stage. But it was, it was in reference to what you were saying before, just that, that, you know, you'd heard my name a lot and that you thought, oh, well, you must be a big deal. I, I've, I've basically stood on the shoulders of giants for a lot of, uh, a lot of the praise that I get. Uh, Evil Dead wouldn't have been what it was without Ian Alexander, uh, Catherine, you know, Norm. Uh, like, there's so many people. Emily, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Nat, uh, who was the, uh, the, the set dresser, you know, Bethany, who was our, our choreographer. Like, there were so many people who had so much passion for that project that it would have been just as good if anyone else was that was the director like that that it's they they brought so much to the table uh that it, it just it became it became so easy to uh to see you know the final product was just uh i don't know did you get to see evil dead i did i did okay i did so see it. i uh i i was working um in uh in Nanticoke, uh, it, I, I work as a process operator right now, um, but uh, I was working out of town. So I was driving back and forth to, uh, to uh, for the rehearsals for to direct, uh, and it's about a three-hour drive. Oh. So I would get off my shift, drive back, direct, uh, and then drive back to, to Nanticoke for my shift in the morning. So you know it was it was it was it was a lot of it was a lot of work and yeah. and that wouldn't have been able that wouldn't have been even possible if Bethany and Ian hadn't picked up so much of my slack you know it, it's just it was uh, it, it was just it was they were so great to work with and they were so patient with the fact that I had so much in my head like I had so many great ideas in my head and I was like yes this is how it's going to be that sometimes I forgot to share them <laughs> just so many that well, I think yeah your your modesty is so endearing and I'm sure that was a huge part of the reason why people were willing to put so much into it and I'm, I'm certain you sell yourself short but it is it, it is important though that we see the value of everybody around us and kind of leverage that and I think that shines through in a show when everybody is able to give like if you were too over, what's the word? I wanted to say overpowering, but I don't think that's right. Too dominating. Overbearing. Overbearing. Uh. Thank you. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. If you were, <laughs> then, you know, all those individual rays of sunlight or, you know, they wouldn't have come out because people wouldn't have felt comfortable to do that. So I'm sure that was a strength of yours as a, a director. Well, I will leave that question for other people to answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I have a question 
I'm dying to ask you. I'm going to hit you with the hard stuff first. Uh oh, okay. What is your favorite Disney movie? Oh, wow. Did you ever <laughs> open up a can of worms? Yay! No. <laughs> no, no. Um, I am not a huge fan of Disney. Ooh, controversial. Tell me more. I am not a huge fan of Disney because it's uh, they've become almost monolithic in the entertainment industry. Uh, where, like, I, I, I love seeing, you know, sometimes the failures are almost as exciting to watch and as interesting to watch because when a director's like, oh, that's not what I was going for, sometimes something beautiful comes out of that, right? You know, or something, you know, like really interesting. And with Disney, you know, it, it's very, it's very commercialized. It's very, it's like it's a process. Mm. And I'm not saying they don't make a, a, a great product because mm -hmm. they do. Right, they they have, but it's there used to be some creativity in there, and now it's just it's very formulaic because because they're a business, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and I feel like that when it becomes just a business that you lose some of that that eccentricity, you know, that that makes it makes it more interesting for me. But my favorite, uh, I I do have a favorite though. Uh, okay. It is uh, the Black Cauldron. Ooh. What is it about that one that makes it your favorite? <laughs> well, if you watched it, uh, have you ever seen The Black Cauldron? I have not. Okay, so uh, it's uh, it's it like Disney's dirty, dirty little secret. Uh, they 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 don't talk about it much because it's sad. Oh. Like it, and and I mean, like characters die oh, horrible deaths in it. Uh, I, I, like I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there's like a sacrifice. Oh my that goodness! That is, oof, it is so heartrending when it happens that you're like, oh my, oh, and it hits you on so many levels, and that's why I like it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the movies that are created by Disney come from very dark origins. Mm. Oh like well, yeah. Um, like Cinderella, like all the all the fairy tales are super dark when you look at their original form. I remember reading it. I think it was an article about Pinocchio recently, and it was talking about how, like, it, the original story of Pinocchio is like super super dark, and it talks about the plague, and he ends up getting hung, and or something like it was. I appreciate the macabre, and definitely Disney has done a lot to sugarcoat. One of my favorite books when I was a kid was the Brothers Grimm, oh, and yes. I loved them. I know I know my mom read them to me. I read them myself, and a few years ago, you know, I revisited it as an adult, and I was like, "This is actually pretty dark." Even like the Jungle Book, the books, oh yeah, pretty dark. So I think I'm gonna look for this because I feel like I might appreciate it. Oh uh, yeah, the Black Cauldron's excellent. Uh, it, it is it is fantasy based, which uh, is probably another reason why I love it because I've been playing D and D since I was six years old. Uh, it's uh, it's it's it is fantastic. You will you will really enjoy it. I promise. I'm definitely gonna look into that. Uh, there, I just finished um, an interview with J uh, Jonathan Lawrence, and we talked about D and D like probably. <laughs> Like at least seventy five percent of the interview with him, and we were talking about toward the end. I was like planting seeds because he's a, a DM. Of, yes, as am I. Are you awesome? Oh gosh, yep. I have so much admiration for people who can DM because I there's not a chance <laughs> that I would have the the focus to do it. 
Uh, but we were talking kind of gently about doing a theater based Dungeons and Dragons, like even a one shot. So I'll just put that out there for you as well. You know, just let that seed get planted. Well, no, I, uh, it's, I, I, uh, I, I do stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I did a, a Christmas one shot where, uh, oh, orchids came through, uh, came through like wreaths. Everyone's wreaths that they hung on their doors were yes. actually portals to uh, the abyss, and what? Orcus poured his minions through. Oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Oh, cool. Okay, that sounds super fun. If you do a, a Christmas-based Dungeons and Dragons, please, please think of me and my husband's. Actually, I'm I'm a newbie. My husband's like yourself, so I think has been, you know, reading about it for a lot longer, knows everything about it, and and everything like that. I just honestly like the acting part of it that when you're participating, you get to be a character. Well, yeah, and... exactly. That's that's part of the fun. Exactly. My, every time we play, my poor, poor husband has to painstakingly explain it all to me again because I'm just like, woo, I don't understand. Do I roll a dice? Which dice do I roll? Woo! <laughs> but yeah, Dungeons & Dragons. It, it, I, I, now that I've been exposed to it as well, I see so much of it in our culture. Like, an excellent example right now would be Stranger Things. Obviously, it's well, yeah, all and, over that. And it's funny how that also has reflected back into Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, really? Because, well, absolutely. Okay. Um, after Season 1, you know, Wizards of the Coast was releasing uh, Demogorgon-themed uh, adventures in the Abyss. Huh. Uh, after Season 2... Baldur's Gate 3 came out, which, as well as a whole bunch of supplements that were all based on the Illithids, which are also known as Mind Flayers. Oh. Um, and then, uh, now that uh, they've released Season 4, uh, Vecna, uh, they've re-released uh, some Vecna campaigns. Uh, they're, they're coming out with all these different stuff that's all... So it's, they're, they're, there's, it's a symbiotic relationship between the two, right? So, Super cool. The most recent season of stranger things kept me up at night it was it was really really good but i was like this is really dark in it because it's a yep. pretty dark show but this one especially like the first episode i was like oh whoa i won't say yeah, too, too much yeah, it, it's yeah it's it's kind of crazy sometimes yeah yeah they they do such a good job but yeah i won't i won't say too much in case there's people listening that haven't yes. watched it and if you haven't watched it yet out there why why person who might be listening it, it, it could be that uh it could be that their uh, their significant other has told them that if if they do watch it uh that they will be castrated oh i'm not speaking from personal experience at all no, oh at no all. no no just randomly thought of that example yes, yes. <laughs> oh dear Woo. all right well that's interesting i guess that would be a deterrent should that be an instance in someone's life yeah, of course not mine. <laughs> uh, so anyway, well, what else can we talk about? I, my brain, every once in a while, my brain gets going like way faster than my mouth can then, keep up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I understand the feeling. Um, I, I know we had like I, I had asked you, you know, how far back do you want me to go with my theater stuff? Right. Like because I, I grew up in Ottawa. Right. Right. I, I, I may be now Sarnia famous. But I, I definitely am not Sarnia born. So I'd be like, oh, I, 
I went to, uh, I, I don't know if you know what the Canadian National Improv Games are. It's like a high oh. school competition that they do. Oh, cool. Uh, between, like, it's, yeah, they draw people from all over uh, all over Canada. And then they uh, they, they uh, compete. Well, when I did it, there was five games, right? And you, you would do it. Some of them would be, like, you have, you know, five minutes to do as many scenes based around a theme as possible or, or whatnot. And doing that, doing improv was probably because I suffer suffer from social anxiety, the rapid firedness and the like the, the just you get your ideas out there and you don't have time to judge yourself was possibly the uh, the, the greatest time in my life because I got everything that was in my head out and there was no judgment. No judgment from me I mean. Right? Yeah. Like I, I didn't judge myself, right? So that that was but yeah that's like you know can it I, I don't know if they're even still doing it. I haven't even looked into it anymore, which is a shame because it was always a lot of fun. But I would love to see something like that here in Sarnia where they, where, you know, they had, uh, we've, we've had some iterations of uh, sketch comedy groups, mm -hmm. but we, we have enough high schools and enough people who are passionate about theater that you could have a, just in Sarnia, have them do a, uh, an improv Olympics where they, where they did something like that. And it would be a blast. Mm -hmm. Have it presented down at the Imperial Theater mm -hmm. uh, for like, you know, two nights and have people, uh, you know, cheering, have the judges. It'd be a blast. I agree. I think that would be a lot of fun. And you're right, too, when it comes to improv, especially with rapid fire stuff, you, there's no time to, to worry you're in the present moment. You have to focus on what you're doing. You can't let those anxieties come forward because there's no time. So what do you remember what your favorite improv game to play then was? Um, they called it, uh, they called it the emotions. Uh, it was the emotion game when I was doing it, but it, it, it's evolved. It had evolved since then. Cause I, I did revisit it uh, a few times, but what it was is you basically got a scenario. And then you did a scene based on that scenario. So they'd be like, like some of them could be really, really heavy. Like, you know, they like, you know, because they pick they pick them out of a hat and there were suggestions drawn from the audience that people had written down. They pick them out of the hat and they look at them and they'd be like, OK, uh, you've just found out your mother has cancer and you're about to go out to university. Right. Oh, wow. So they give you an emotionally charged oh, I see. scene and then you would then you would do it. Right. And you'd have a 30 second huddle where you'd huddle with your, your, your team and you're like, OK, who's playing what role? How are we going to do this? What where do we want this story to go? And it also taught me to be very open and accepting mm -hmm. because you can't you don't say no in improv mm -hmm. unless you're really saying yes when you say no. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but <laughs> it's true. Right? Uh, you don't say no in improv unless you're saying yes when you're saying no. Well, and uh, and and that 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 helped that helps because when you say yes to people on stage, good things happen. And, you know, it, it also taught me that you're, whenever you're on stage, whatever the cast, whatever the cast, whatever is going on on stage, if you are on stage, if you are trying to make every other person on that stage look awesome and look amazing and support them, then you are going to look 100% invested in the scene at all times. And there are people going to be like, man, you did a great job. And you're like, what, I did a great job? I wasn't doing anything except for helping everyone else out and being present. And just doing that is, is the core of being a good actor, is being present and being available on stage. And it, the same can be said, you know, backstage too. 
because when you are focused on what's going on there, when you're ready to go, like Carrie Beauchamp. Okay, I don't know if you've seen Mary, many Carrie Beauchamp shows, but when you talk about slick and well-oiled, like she knows how to do it. And she gets it done. And like her, she drills, she doesn't just drill the actors who are on stage. The backstage is drilled so they know exactly what's happening. And I know everyone, like every, every show does that. But she, she just has a gift at, uh, at getting the most out of people for that. And it, it, it shows in her shows. They look professional. That actually is a, is a common theme with a lot of... I don't think I've ever heard a show that's been put on at the Imperial being less than professional-seeming quality. Well, that has a lot to do with the Imperials, like the Imperial staff itself, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, Catherine, Ian, Brian, you know, you're looking at three people who combined have a ton of experience, a ton of passion for not only, you know, just theater in general, but the Imperial theater and making it the best they can. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they're the right team for that uh, to, to basically lead that, uh, that theater. Absolutely. It, it, there's no question about it. Look how, look how well they've managed it. Like there's theaters and theater companies and, and community theater companies that have closed down all across Ontario, all across Canada. And here they're, they're like, here's our new season. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a story. So we're like one show less than we normally do, but there has been a pandemic. I don't know if you've noticed for the last three years, like they, they're, they're, they're like going, yeah, no, no, we got this. Don't worry about it. And the yeah. theater now looks beautiful. It does. Yeah. It's very classy. And what they've managed to do under the extreme amount of stress that I'm sure they went through with the pandemic and always with class and humility, as far as I've seen it, I can't imagine how much stress and pressure. Yeah, for sure. To go back to the emotion game though, it's interesting to me that that is one that stands out to you. Cause I know a lot of people think of improv as being, comedy based entertaining in that capacity so it is really interesting to me that the emotion game comes up as your favorite well it it does the emotion game didn't mean that it was not funny right there there's dramatic tension right and knowing when to break that tension you know it it gives your audience that break right Mm -hmm. they need it sometimes right there's knowledge of going knowing when to let an audience laugh you know, or if it's silent, how long to hold that, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of responsibility as an actor when you're on stage and you're doing a heavy and emotional scene and the audience, like you could hear a pin drop mm-hmm. and it's unnerving because, you know, there's always noises, right? Mm-hmm. And you tune them out as an actor. But when those noises actually disappear, when you've got everyone in that where if it's 20 people if it's 700 people however many people when you've got all of them 100 percent focused on you and mm-hmm. all sound stops mm-hmm. you notice that mm-hmm. because you've tuned out the noise but then when it stops you really notice when it's there mm-hmm. and keeping focus when that happens is just as hard as when you know people are uh, when, like you know if you flub a line or anything like that it's when when you're when you really get it it's staying in that moment and not taking yourself out, right? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, and silence on stage can be extremely powerful, but it can also be what takes the audience out of it too, right? If you hold that silence just a little bit too long, people lose their attention, they lose interest but, in what's going on. And at the end of that silence, you can crack a joke. 
and then the like because there's been all that tension that's what i was like bringing it back to the emotion game right you know you have this tense tense moment and oh we're so we're so involved we're so involved so involved and then you have the cook walk in and slam something down and they both jump and the audience jumps and then everyone's chuckling because oh that was a funny moment right mm-hmm. because this chef or this cook or whoever's just come in and done this is is you you've broken that dramatic tension mm-hmm. and it's you've allowed the audience to go okay they can they let their breath out the audience noises start again you tune them out again and you go right back to doing what you're doing mm-hmm. i think that that's a tremendous skill to have both of those levels to be able to create that tension and have people emotionally invested in that way and then find a way to to bring back the funny I would love honestly I I did a little bit of improv when I was in high school I was never super good at it but I really enjoyed it I would love to see something like that come around either for that the high school kids or you know even for us adults I think that'd be a lot of fun it's very the the benefits that come out of improv are there's a lot of them the, you know this it gets your mind going it mm. lo- it reduces your inhibitions because you're going you're you're going right and it also gets all your imagination just going on rapid fire because you're going out there and you're like okay this is what we're doing we know where we're starting we know where we're going to that's what you do in the huddle but then how do you get there right and that's all done right on the spot I absolutely love. I, I improv is one of my favorite things. So yeah, it can help you in in all facets of life too. I think being able to think on your feet super quickly. Um, okay, so growing up in Ottawa, mm-hmm. were you involved then in beyond the improv stuff? Was there other theater based? Oh yeah, activities yeah. Actually, I. Uh... I mean, I'm pretty sure my parents have, or my, at least my dad, uh, has a picture of uh, of me when I was six, rocking out doing a show with my little sister. But uh, the first time I went on stage, <laughs> for like, just for myself and actually acting, um, I think it was with, oh, yeah, I want to say when I was at... Uh, Sir Wilfrid Laurier in grade 10, I, uh, I, did, uh, I did a show, and that was interesting, because I can't even remember the show. I think it was just some schlock thing that we did in school and it was great and once i was once i did it once i was like yeah i, I think i want to keep doing this and i got involved with a theater society in uh, ottawa called uh, the amateur cumberland theater society uh, it's based out of orleans and uh, we i just started doing shows with them it is started doing shows at high school uh and then someone was like hey can you sing and i was like oh no no i can't and then it turned out that i kind of could um <laughs> i uh I, I didn't I didn't realize it at first, and, and then because uh, all I had ever done is sing at church, right? And when you're singing in a choir, you're singing in a, with a group of people, you uh, you generally uh, you you don't think you're very good. And uh, yeah, apparently I was I was all right, and so I started doing musicals as well. Started doing some uh, some dancing, uh, which uh, I, I will I will. Like, I, I love to dance. I'm just not very good at it. And I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I I got into a bike accident uh, a couple of years after I started dancing and partially severed my Achilles tendon. Oh, so, oh my God! Uh, I've I've never had the uh, the flexibility or the uh, support uh, to uh, to really to like to to really give it sometimes. So uh, I'm always cautious of that because I don't want to like snap it. No shit. Oh, so tip. I'll 
I thought I was the one who was going to swear first. I honest, I was like, I am, I am watching my P's and Q's right now. I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen. And there we go. I can edit that out though. Oh yeah. (laughs) It slipped out of my mouth Uh, every once in a while. I actually have um, a sailor mouth and doing this podcast has helped me for the most part. Cause like he asked my husband around the house. I'm like, F this and this and that. I'm actually terrible with swearing and I'm a librarian. So that doesn't really like the two don't really jive, but I managed to keep it together at the library too. <laughs> well, yeah, you're just doing it under your breath constantly. right? Yeah, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> Hopefully nobody can hear me. So you were saying uh, you think there's a picture that still exists of you and your sister on stage when you were really, really little. Tell me more about that. Um, well, I, I, apparently I used to put on shows for uh, my family and my friends and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and it, it's funny because my, my family is, uh, like my extended family, they're, they're, you know, they're Irish. My uncle used to like perform uh, kind of like he was like a semi-celebrity, a guy named uh, Dominic Darcy, and he was known as a singing policeman. Yeah, he, uh, he, he passed away not too long ago, but uh, just an amazing man, a lot, a lot of fun to be around. And just music has always been part of my life. So doing like little shows and stuff like that was, it was just, it just seemed like natural, right? And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that, uh, you know, there's, there was, there was some teasing that went on that I was, you know, different from the rest of my family because I was involved with the arts. Uh, my, my youngest sister, she's a welder. My older sister, she's an environmental engineer in BC. And my, uh, my brother's an investment banker in Ottawa. So I, I, I just, I was, I was always an odd duck, uh, to, uh, to most of my family, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like my extended family and 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 my and my family, they've 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 always been uh, they they've always liked to poke fun uh, and uh, just just who, with who I am with my anxiety sometimes it was uh, it was less fun for me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I, I kind of pulled I pulled back from the arts for a while and uh, got really focused into sports and and uh, you know trying to trying to go down a I'm like yeah this is this is what I should do and one exclusive of the other. Uh, it wasn't until I got a little bit older uh, in high school where I was, uh, I started being able to reconcile the two and was able to be active in sports as well as be active in theater and active in the arts, which is, it was good that I, that I found that balance because uh, I, I don't think I'd be the person I am today if, uh, if I didn't. Good for you. And it really, it is tricky and I think especially for fellas there's a lot of pressures and you know if you're into the arts then maybe you're not as masculine as you could be those kinds of pressures which is silly and unfortunate and hopefully the world is is coming along in that way so I'm glad that later on you're able to reconcile that and get back to it I uh, I mean I went out to Simon Fraser University to do a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater. Oh, good for you. Um, and uh, then went to Studio Fifty Eight, uh, which is Langara College's theater program. And I I was feeling like I was going to be able to do that. Uh, and then uh, then my life changed. I uh, I had a son, uh, my son Drake, and uh, I I had a choice uh, because his mom was from Sarnia and we had met at university. We uh, we had gotten married and. It was it was it was difficult because I was too young and immature to be in a committed relationship in the way I should be. Like you know, I just I wasn't I wasn't mature enough, and I wasn't I, I wasn't present enough to to uh, to really be in a relationship like that. 
and wasn't until my son came along. And as I, I held my son in my arms, I was the first person to hold my son uh, due to my wife having a C-section. Uh, and, uh, and as soon as I looked down at him, something, I don't know what it was, something changed. But she moved back to Sarnia, and I had a choice. I could either stay there and pursue you know, acting and, and, and everything else, or I could move to Sarnia and be a dad. And I chose to move to Sarnia. Uh, it, was, it was a decision I've never regretted. Yeah. Because, uh, and I dropped out of, like, I, I didn't even touch the theater, didn't go near it, uh, I think, for five years. And uh, I didn't even know that there was a theater in, in Sarnia. I wasn't from here. I was just focused on working and, and doing what I could. And then I was working at a restaurant as a server and just doing my thing. And I was like, oh, you should go see this show at, uh, at Theater Sarnia. And I'm like, Theater Sarnia, what's that? And uh, that became uh, became a, a kind of a nice uh, love letter to each other, uh-huh. I guess I'll say. The uh, the first show that I did uh, was actually Carrie Beauchamp's uh, Beauty and the Beast, and that was that was uh, that was I was like, wow, these guys are these guys are really good. And I mean, I was I was like, hey, I can I can help out, I can do stuff. So I uh, I I think I ended up making like some ascots for her because I I had done some uh, costume design stuff when oh, I was wow. in school, and and I was like, hey, is there anything else I could do? And I had a blast. It was so much fun. And uh, I don't know if you if you've talked to Dave Mitchell or if you know Dave Mitchell at all, nope. but Dave Mitchell he was he played Gaston uh, oh. in in that in that production, and man he was he was amazing. But he is such a solid actor, you know, just just like anything he does on stage, you guys are kind of glued to him the whole time. So uh, he's done a lot of shows with Theater Sarnia. But there's someone you should. Talk I know about. this is how uh, I get my guests. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was you know that, that I was like wow, there's this vibrant theater community and there was a woman named Maureen Crichton who was doing she was playing Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast and she was like hey we need someone to do fill a role in uh, Fiddler on the Roof in Theater Serenade do you want to come in and do this and I was like uh, okay and I ended up playing Perchick uh, in Fiddler on the Roof so that was that was uh, that was fun and that was my first experience with Frank Brennan who uh, is a, is a legend. Uh, let's let's just put it that way. You know, he's a he's a beast. I, I don't think I've ever seen uh, anyone who can just hammer out musicals like wow. The guy's uh, the guy the guy. He's he's impressive. Mm-hmm. He's very very impressive. And yeah, from there I just kept auditioning and kept doing. Uh, I mean, I've done a lot of shows with Theater Sarnia. I mean, when Diversion was uh, was uh, pumping out shows, I, I I did Avenue Q with them, which was pretty much a lifelong dream come true. I got to be a puppet master who swore like a, uh, a trucker. It was great. And that was with John LeVere and, and the, the whole Diversion crew. And they've just been fantastic, uh, you know, the, the entire time. And when they morphed into Theater 42, uh, they put on a whole bunch of great shows there. Uh, you know, obviously with the pandemic, things happen, right? Um, but I... Uh, I, I don't. I don't ever think that count uh, count those guys out. Uh, the, they're you know the the, uh, the men and women of Diversion and uh, subsequently Theater Forty Two were uh, very resilient and also very resourceful. So I expect to see uh, more from them again uh, very soon. Yeah, you know the the pandemic definitely taught people to be to think of different avenues. That's for sure. To try new things and costume design. You touched on that a little bit, and then. So you've been on stage, you've directed, you've done all the things. What is your favorite? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing to do, 
and a lot of people laugh when I say this. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's to build sets with Key and Poor. I absolutely love building sets with that guy. Uh, he's got such a clear idea of what he wants, and I just I'm like, what do you want me to do? I go do that, and uh, you know I, I haven't gotten to do it for a while, which is is sad. But you know, yeah, Kean, I love building sets with Kean. I love I love building sets. I, I because you can go and you can see it afterwards, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. And you wait, it's another character. That's a character on the stage. I, I mean. You, you saw you saw what Norm and Nat put mm-hmm. together for Evil Dead, mm-hmm. right? I may have been the set designer. That was just a floor plan. They brought that to life. They made everything work in a way that I was like, like it was better than I could have ever dreamed, right? They, and that, it was a character. It lived and breathed. That moose, <laughs> oh, man, the number of people who, like, freaked out because they hadn't seen the show before when the moose started talking and moving... <laughs> I was like, oh, and that, and that, Bethany Teague's made that, right? You know, she can make puppets. Like, theater in Sarnia is so good because somehow, I don't know if it's, you know, there's a magical lodestone somewhere around here that just randomly draws people who are just amazing and talented people here, but you have some of the, I, I, I've, I've never seen, seen a community theater or a community with just so many talented people in it. You know, Brent Wilkinson. You know, there's one guy who I have, I I would do anything to be on stage with, just just so I could be like, I'm going to make him look as good as possible because he looks like he is such a good actor, so committed to what he does. You know, he's 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 so talented. Shane Davis. I got to do Shane. I got to do 33 variations with Shane Davis, and you know, I I couldn't have had a better scene partner. You know, he, he was supposed to play this reserve stoic person, but when when he cracked, when he, like when when he showed the emotion, he, he you could see it was a choice that he was doing, and it was so good, it was so good. You know, Shane, Shane was fantastic, and then of course Henry Canino directed uh, Thirty Three Variations, and I, I mean, Theater Sarnia is blessed to have her as a director. She is she's very very talented. She's very demanding of what she wants. And I think that is a very good thing uh, because she's not afraid to push people to be like, no, I know there's more in there. I know you have, there's something more in there. And she'll tweak you until she gets what she wants. And of course, you know, everyone in that show was fantastic. I, I, I met Audrey Humlin, who played uh, opposite uh, to me. She, she, she played a character with ALS who was trying to finish a paper that she was writing on Beethoven's 33 Variations. Uh, and like the meaning behind it, I mean, what a what an actress! Like, I every time I was on stage, I was with her. I was in awe. And the very first time I met her, we were at the audition. And I said, uh, "Is there, like I sat down with her. Hey, is is there anything that we I can do to make this scene you more comfortable in the scene? It, because it was just standard, you know, standard practice. When you're in an audition, you're in a scene with someone you've never worked with before. You ask, you know, hey, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I love her. She's she's fantastic. I I would I would do a show again with her in an instant. It, it's so nice to hear you talk about your peers. You obviously um, think very highly of them, and 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 I'm sure that goes both ways. Uh, going back to the set, I like the way that you said that. I hacked. I don't think I'd ever thought of it that way. How it is like another actor on the stage. Oh, it, it absolutely. I like that. You know. You know, like you, you have 
let, okay, let's let's talk about farces where you have the door slamming, oh, yeah. you know, the British farces, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to design the set to hold up to that, right? That's you have true. to because those door slamming is and but and it also has to sound a certain mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. right? So you're basically creating the set's voice. You know, how is it going to talk to the audience? How is it going to convey its lines, which are beats that the actors are using? You know, like to help the story along. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, when you're making it, when you're making a set, it just makes it come alive even more because you're like, yeah, yeah, this is my character on the stage, and everyone's going to see it, and they're also going to see any mistakes you make. So, is there a stage that for a show that you'd love to make that you haven't had the chance to do? Oh, uh, my white whale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a show that I want to direct, I want to act in, and I want to do the set for. And it's it's crazy that I want I would want so badly to do, I would never do all three. Um, I don't think that the director should ever step in to a role. There's always an actor who you can bring in, unless it's the 11th hour and the director and is the only to, one yeah. who knows the lines. Yeah. That's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there, you can always you can always bring someone on board. You can bring up to speed rather than, you know, stepping into a role because a lot of the times directors direct shows that they want to be in, and so uh, it's kind of an ego trip. You're like, haha, well now I'm in the show anyways. Mm-hmm. And I've actually seen directors who have done that, not here in Sarnia, but where they're where they're they will get rid of an actor for whatever reason and well i'll have to step in and fill the role now and it's 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 you're like ah oh, that's so slimy and i don't ever want that to happen but i would it's company I, I would love to do the show company i would love to direct it and i would love to build a set for it because i have some amazing ideas uh for for that set the way i would stage it i've never seen it staged before i've never seen a show staged like that before but it's in my head and I know how to bring it to life, and that that would be that would be the show I'd want to do. Now, if someone was like, "Well, can you build the set and then maybe act in it?" Yes, I can. <laughs> there you go. So just plant that seed into the universe. No, no, that's uh... Uh, so a company. I know I've heard this show be mentioned before, but I can't place it. Can you refresh my memory? What it's about? Um, it's about, it centers around a uh, character named Bobby, who, uh, it starts off with his birthday, uh, and his friends, who all come in, and they're the company. Uh, and it follows, you know, uh, both how his friends want to set him up with everyone, who are, and, you know, some of his, ma- his male friends have a song where they're all envious of him because he's single, but uh, then they also, they have a song that is like i have there's two songs in the show that one that bobby sings and one that bobby doesn't sing that the men sing to me it's it, they, they just blow me away every single time and, and you know obviously being alive is bobby's song right he like that's his big song at the end right it kind of brings the whole show together it's a finale song so it's 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 an amazing song though but there's a song that the three men sing when bobby's like he's like you know are you uh, are you happy being married and you know, he looks and they break into the song. It's like, you're always happy. Uh, you, like, you know, you're always sorry. You know, it's, it's, it's that there's good and bad in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you can't accept that there's going to be good and bad there, then you don't have, like, you're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just, it's a beautiful song that these three men sing about their, like, it's, I guess, about their partners, but it's kind of a universal song. And then you have the female cast, which is dynamite there is not a bad female role 
in the show. Uh, there's a song called The Ladies Who Lunch that's so, sung by Joanna, and she's just, she goes out there, and she's, like, you know, she, it's so amazing. It, like, you just, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, not not getting married today, which is a it's a song about uh, you know this woman's about to get married and she's a nervous wreck, mm. and the speed it's supposed to be sung at, I think I've seen maybe three actresses sing it at pace where it's supposed to be way Sondheim wrote it, but it's like I, I'm not even gonna try. I, I think of modern ma- major general okay, except yeah. twice the temple. Oh God. Yeah, that made me dizzy when he goes just thinking of it. when he goes as fat. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's, it's it's amazing. Neil Patrick Harris did a version of it uh, not too long ago uh, on Broadway with uh, Stephen Colbert was playing uh, one of the characters. But uh, Neil Patrick Harris was playing uh, Bobby. My favorite version of it uh, is uh, starring a an actor named Rolas Bronza. He's uh, and he plays Bobby. And it, the woman who who sings "Not Getting Married Today," the uh, character's name is Amy, but she she nails it. Like I've never seen anyone do it as as well as she's done. It. She did it. It just blew me away. So, which character would you want to be, Bobby? Yeah, good for you. It's and it's not because it's 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 not because it's the lead. It it's to you. I really identify, mm-hmm. you know, with that where you're like. You, you just you don't know what you want and you and you're and you're lost and everyone's trying to give you advice when you really need to stop and think about things for yourself just, rather yeah, than just yeah. going you know going and going and going through the motions right and that's that's where he gets you know you know being alive that the song he sings at the end of the show is he's like you know, if you let someone into your life, these are all the things, like, he starts off complaining. It's like, you know, someone to, you know, someone to need you too much, someone to sit in your chair, all these different things, right? And and then the voices of his friends come in through the song as well. They're like, you know, yeah, there's all that, but there's a lot more. And then he starts realizing, like, through the song, he transforms. Uh, and through the entire show, he transforms. And that transformative journey is so awesome. Like, I would love to go on that journey. But... I would also love to direct that journey yeah, that and also tough. love to build the set that that journey happens on. Yeah, that's tr- uh, truly, it would be so tough. Like I, I, I feel grateful that I have no desire for any of the backstage stuff because I can't imagine how being pulled in all of those different directions would be, it would be really, really difficult to kind of decide. So we're, we're already getting to the point where this, this here laptop might go kablooey. Yep. So, yep. I, uh, I completely understand. At the end of the show, I usually like to give people uh, a kind of a soapbox opportunity. If there's, you know, anything that you want to talk about, it can be um, a side hustle that you have or a charity. Just anything at all that your heart desires, you have the, the floor to do so. Oh, Okay. Well, uh, yeah, actually, the um, the theater Serenia one acts are happening at the uh, at the end of August. I'm going to uh, I'm going to encourage everyone who possibly can to uh, to go out and see those and uh, see some you know see some great new directors cutting their teeth, some actors who are you know either veterans or getting back on stage after a while or you know new. Yeah, it's 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 always really exciting to see what people come up with because sometimes you're like, man, I never would have thought of that, and it's it's great. You know, you you learn. You learn, and, and sometimes imitation is one of the most uh, honest forms of flattery. And if someone, you know, if someone's, you see something like that, I'm going to use that someday. Mm-hmm. 
I always make sure to go up and I'll tell the director, I'm like, man, when you when that choice was made, I like I could almost see your hands picking up the actors in the rehearsals going, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, that was fantastic. I'm going to use that someday. Uh, and so, yeah, go out and see the uh, the one act, 100 percent. You know, there's so many people who I uh, who, uh, like I said, I've stood on the shoulders of giants for so much here. Uh, you know, and there's 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 so many things that I didn't touch on. But uh, to anyone who do, please don't feel slighted, I, I, I didn't. I, I wasn't intentional. It's just I can't talk about everything um, all the time. I, can't, I didn't give you enough time, really, to, to it's talk a, about it. It's okay. And, and it's, I have it's that, okay. that verbal diarrhea thing that I was mentioning before that like kind of takes a little bit of time as well. I'm so glad that you mentioned the, the one acts, though. I've heard so many good things about it, and I am pumped to go yeah, out and see Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. so excited. It is super exciting that it's new directors and this is their opportunity to to get started on that journey too i'm super excited i'm glad that you brought that up well thank you very very much for making time for me today i am thank you for having me absolutely honored hopefully i will see you in real life sometime now that we've had a chance to get to know each other well if you go to see the one x you'll see me there all right sounds good Okay, you have yourself a good day, and hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Next week's guest is the lovely Jan Walker-Holtz. See you then.